Welcome to the Hired Geek Podcast. I'm Dustin Ramsdell, and every week I'm having conversations with influential hired leaders about the work they're doing, the impact they're making, and how you too can better implement technology to support student success. So I'm very pleased to have the opportunity to talk with somebody at the top levels of an organization that I have admired for a very long time. They do amazing work in the space. Guild, formerly known as Guild Education, but they've, you know, kind of changed their branding there. But still excited to talk about sort of the very large systemic work that they're doing to really compel people to be able to have even more access and opportunity to pursue high quality education and, you know, workforce development opportunities and all these sort of things, bringing a lot of corporate partners and higher ed institutions together and just kind of having everybody work together and sort of rising tide, lifting all ships and all that good stuff. So we'll get into all that, but we'll start as we always do. Terrence, if you want to introduce yourself briefly, and then we'll get into what Guild does and your role there and everything else that we have to talk about. Happy to. Thank you for having me and for the kind words. I'm Terrence Cummings, and I'm the Chief Opportunity Officer at Guild. I've been at the company for a little over six years and have run our employer partnerships team, as well as what we call our member services teams for about three years each, let's call it. And so what that means is on the one side, I was understanding deeply the talent strategies of the organizations that we work with and helping them to solidify those and and refine those over time. And on the other side, I was working with the members and learners. So think about those as students that we serve and getting to understand their stories, the barriers they face, the accelerants that could push them forward. And now I'm bringing both those sides together and thinking about overall career mobility for the company. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I know, part of the sort of like, not just guild education, it is just like, yeah, the career mobility, um, because obviously there's so many ways to do that for people and uh, wherever they are, wherever they're starting. So to that end, if you want to explain briefly what Guild does, how you try to kind of capture all of that, because it is sort of, you know, large scale, complex work, but how would you kind of capture and summarize what Guild does? And we sit at the intersection of what makes the workforce tick in America. And so we have an academic marketplace and we have a, a network of employer partners that we work with. And we sit in the middle to help the employers. I went going back to our talent strategies the talent strategy point, we sit in the middle to help the employers to to refine and grow and develop their talent strategies over time. And we do that through learning. And so their employees of our employer partners will come to Guild and we help them to understand um, how can they take their aspirations and turn those into tangible reality by growing their skills through our academic marketplace and through learning. And so we sit in the middle and we get to understand where the pedagogical side of the world is going, right? What are the what are schools doing? What are they thinking about? How can they continue to develop and think about skills in different ways? And where is talent going? Where are employers going? And how are they thinking about talent? And we serve as a marketplace in between to connect those two sides. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, to me, like just following for a long time, and I guess it, I had sort of a personal curiosity to see how you kind of capture the work that you do now, because I think it, you know, following it for a long time and that idea of like, even in its purest sense, that idea of helping to bridge the gap between like, you know, uh, higher institutions, obviously always looking for students and wanting to kind of, you know, get folks who are earnestly interested in pursuing a credential of any type. And then these companies and organizations that want to support their employees to grow and learn, develop and everything and try to like, you know, make it super easy for, you know, these benefits that you're, you're, they're giving to their employees and all that and how it's sort of like you all have kind of evolved from that pure sort of 
kind of like transaction to really kind of build up a lot of support and understanding of just like all the different context that goes into like, you know, somebody trying to build their career that there can be a lot of the coaching aspects of it, you know, just like people working together, talking about things the self discovery, certainly pursuing credentials. And, you know, where do you go to do that? And, you know, what program are you choosing and all that? So, you know, you've had all these new like partnerships announced and obviously that like the changing of the name and just sort of the big kind of just emphasis on career mobility and whatever shape it takes. You know, you've been at Guild, like you said, for a while, for 60 years. What has changed with your work over these past several years? Or has it has there been things that have kind of stayed the same and things that have changed? Like how, how does, you know, when you look back on all the years that you've been there, what are your thoughts? To start with what hasn't changed, but may feel like it's changed from the outside, is that career mobility and opportunity has been in our DNA from the beginning. And it's been our intention to be able to push mobility forward for the folks that we work with. That's That's been the intention from the beginning. However, to get to the, your point around dropping education from our name is the way we had to start that as a company was you have to start somewhere and focus. And so we centered around education and specifically mostly the first phase of what we worked through was uh, the, the more traditional side of education. So bachelor's degrees and master's degrees and working with four-year institutions for the most part to serve uh, that market. That's where we started. And then we evolved into providing certificates and boot camps and trade organizations. And what we, as we start to look forward, we say, how can we map what I'll just call learning? So getting away from education, the word education for a moment, how do we map learning to the skills that people need for themselves personally, as well as for the skills that the quote unquote talent marketplace right in the future employers need? How do we think about evolving our learning marketplace further to make sure that happens? And so we're always developing new programs. Healthcare is a big industry that we're working with right now. And in thinking about how do you solve the nursing shortage? You say, what is necessary to fix this broken system? And there's a lot of different pieces that are necessary. But one of them is, how do people start to get all the, the classes and credentials they need in order to get into nursing school in the first place? And so we work with an organization, Rio Salada, to create Nursing Start, which is a way for people to start to get their foot off the ground, their feet off the ground when it comes to, to beginning that. And so that's the way we think about this is where is the market going and how do we evolve our learning marketplace as well as the services that we provide in order to fulfill that? I, mean, I guess there's like a follow up to it. It's that idea. Yeah. Like you're saying, like, you know, there there could be a gap they're identifying of like literally just trying to like start somebody who's maybe just like never been in a nursing position before earnestly wants to pursue it. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of sort of prerequisites and things they need to pursue. And how can we try to support that more because my perspective and i guess this will be how i guess i present this question is that idea that like do you feel like that is there's sort of a big impact of that of like you get someone started they can maybe get into sort of a entry-level position because like say you get into a healthcare system you know you start working at a hospital they'll often start kind of investing in you if you do want to keep moving up and everything so like that's always been what my mindset is like, yeah, if you can get somebody in like an entry level, like, you know, tech development job or something doing like coding, that organization could then sort of invest in you if you do want to pursue like a four year degree or other further credentials and stuff like that. Like, do you see that kind of dynamic playing out? Yeah, absolutely. And within healthcare and in other industries, employers want to invest. And one of the things that we've believed since the beginning internally, and we've also helped the market, I don't take too much credit, but I think that we have helped the market to more understand is what what investment 
really means. And it's not simply dollars that people need in order to go back to school. There are many people that from the start, the question that they will be asking themselves is, do I deserve to go back to school? And that is a, that money doesn't solve that. Um, that's an internal turmoil issue that, that folks kind of go through. And it's a reason that we have coaches at Guild that will work with individuals to help them to get over what I'll call sometimes psychological, sometimes real tangible life barriers as well. Because that question doesn't just come up at the beginning. Questions like that come up all along the way. You know, you might get that C and say, I actually don't deserve to be here. And your next semester might be paid for, but in here, in your mind, you have to solve something. And so we've helped the market to better understand what does investment mean? What are all the barriers to break down? Sometimes it's language barriers. And so we have classes for folks to, to learn English. Sometimes it is more psychological barriers or mindset barriers. Sometimes it's behavioral. Like, how can I learn a new habit that will help me better with time management? Over 50% of the individuals that we work with are a caregiver of some sort. So they either have parents who are taking care of or they have kids. And so time management's a big, a big deal. I'm working. I'm going to school. I have kids, right? My kid might get sick. Like, how do you manage all that? And so helping folks to, to manage through that's important too. So the investment is in the tuition, which is a big part. Finances are a big part. But then also, what are the wraparound services that helps an individual to secure their foundation? so that they are able to invest in themselves as well and grow. Well, it happened again. Prospect Paul is excited about attending your institution, but is getting constantly confused by all the information and tasks he needs to complete to enroll, creating friction and even worse, melt. You knew this would happen again, which is why you've been flagging the need for a come to Jesus meeting with leadership from marketing admissions and IT to audit the digital experience for prospective students. Here's the problem. You're not going to convince Mark from marketing to let go of his automation software. Adriana from admissions just got set up with her new CRM. And Isabel from IT is still working through ticket requests from last Christmas. What if you could come to the table with a solution that didn't require anyone to let go of their software while at the same time ensuring a frictionless experience for prospects and current students alike? Well, my friend, guess what? Today's your lucky day. Meet Pathify, an innovative higher ed engagement hub that puts students at the center of their college journey. Pathify sits at the center of your school's digital ecosystem, being the single user experience interface tying together all systems, content, and communications. Their engagement hub elevates the information that matters most and pushes systems like the SIS behind the scenes where they belong, making it simpler for students to discover and engage with the opportunities your institution provides at every step of their higher ed journey, from prospect to alumni. What's even better, Pathify has a mobile experience that provides 100% parity with the responsive web app so your campus app is always in sync. Pathify is a platform that every stakeholder on campus from marketing to admissions to student affairs to IT, et cetera, can get equally excited about. Learn more about how Pathify is uniting strategic units across campus and bettering the entire student experience by visiting pathify.com and be sure to tell them that Dustin from Hired Geek sent you their way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a really important point is like, because I think that's part of where, like you said, you've helped to, uh, yeah, kind of nudge things along of like helping everyone kind of think a bit differently of employer-sponsored education benefits and that sort of thing. Is that like it's not, especially even like just the simple thing of like people having to front the money and then getting reimbursed afterwards or whatever. It's like changing that dynamic and changing the sort of context about the decision that people make to pursue whatever educational opportunity it might be. And 
I guess it's even the idea too for your work, like that idea of somebody wanting to get started in a new field. I guess there's like even just different dynamics there of understanding again all the contextual factors of the learners that you serve because like they could be pursuing something sort of uh I don't know kind of agnostic of their employer or being like actually I don't I want to get away from this like I want to do something different or something so like some employers are going to be more supportive of that than others I guess but it's like trying to even just sort of build educational opportunities in partnership with you know healthcare systems and institutions you know hired institutions and stuff like it's very fascinating work because i think it's it's this kind of stuff and this level of systemic effort that we have to have to start to move the needle because like we've kind of seen what plays out when you're just sort of like well we've built it and they you know people who are interested will come and enroll and whatever and all that like and be successful and retain and graduate and everything so yeah, because my next question was kind of about this is like the dynamics of like seeing greater student success as various like stakeholders come together and everything. So I guess just any other sort of thoughts that you have on that, because I think, yeah, like it's that first acknowledgement that it's more than just sort of dollars and cents and tuition, very explicit sort of cost. It's the other factors that are going to impact somebody even pursuing it in the first place or retaining. So I guess how have you tried, like like you said, sort of making this apparent or what sort of like resources that you've made available, like bringing these stakeholders together, like how are you seeing more success happen for the learners that you're serving? Yeah. Going back to the wraparound services piece, actually, let me back, I'll back up for a moment. When I take the phrase student success, first you have to define student. And then for that individual student or the group of students, define what will make them successful. And when you look at the students that we serve, 55% identify as non-white. Most of them have uh, household incomes that are under $40,000 a year. They are caregivers, as I mentioned before. They are first-generation students. This isn't what people think of traditionally when they think about a student. And so in order to make that student successful, it takes, I'm going to use an old idiomatic expression, it takes a village. It takes a lot of support. And it's important for to think about what are all the support systems that are needed. And so to to name a few tangible things for us, it's first thinking about, going back to my deserving question, do I deserve to have a career path? Oh, can I realistically have a career path? What are potential career paths? How do I get from step A to step B? And so we have individual humans that will help people to think through those questions. And you can also go through our technology. So if you're using our website, you know we have a series of questions that you can answer to then get a sense for what are the types of learning programs that I could go into to start to get that skill set, what makes sense for me, based on the, the hybrid of how I like you know, online versus in person. We're predominantly online, but there are some in-person right aspects to it. And so we help with that with technology and the human aspect. And then as you start to go deeper and deeper into your program, I like to think of this as the granularity of the answers to the questions you're asking becomes much finer. So at the beginning, if you're saying, what's a potential career path? You might say cybersecurity. And then once you're deeper into your program, it's what is a job? that I can get. And that that you start to look at what are the specific skills that that job needs? Who are the people that I should know in order to get that job? What does a resume for that job look like? And we have a career coaches as well as self-service tools that you can go through to help you to refine your resume, etc. And what's very important going back to the village point 
is we understand what the resources are that are available to you outside of Guild. Because we won't do it all, but we can provide a foundation. But your employer has people there and resources you can use. The learning partner generally will have people and resources you can use. And so we're able to triage, so to speak, uh, and send folks to the right place as well, which is very, very powerful. And to step back to something else that you brought up on the, I'll call it internal and external mobility factor of individuals, we find the vast majority of people want to stay with their employer and they don't know how. So the questions they have are like, I want to be at this company. I may not want to be in my role, but I want to be at this company. But how do you move up? Can you move up? And let me reframe that question. Can I move up? Can people like me or and I develop and grow here? And those are the types of questions that are important to, to answer. But most people do want to stay with their employer. Hmm. Interesting. And yeah, and I like just what you got at, because I think that helps really capture, I think, what I was kind of uh, thinking about with the, the question that I just asked is that idea of like, you can have these really well prepared and equipped like career coaches and stuff to acknowledge like, because yeah, people might have these vague notions of like, I'd love to work in cybersecurity. It's always been interesting. It's like, okay, well, these are the type of roles that you might have, the titles that you could look for. And I don't know. And sometimes people just like are, are mapping from one point or another, or they might just be like, yeah, like I want to be more gainfully employed. I'd love to be in a growing industry or whatever. And it's like, well, here are industries that are growing or yeah, they know what they want to target, but they don't know how to get there. And that part of that is just sort of like trying to make higher ed, which is its own sort of complex system, make that a little bit more simple and clear. And then like you're saying on the industry side, trying to find, you know, other people you can talk to or just like you're helping to sort of like put the puzzle pieces together where otherwise it would just be on the person to try to like figure it out on their own or those sort of things. So I think that's the idea of like you can bring these various stakeholders together. You can build your knowledge to try to simplify, streamline things for these folks, again, who are just earnestly trying to better their lives and pursue whatever goals they have, you can help make sure that they're not sort of taking any missteps around on their path. Because I think that's always kind of the tragedy is that like people who are trying to like register for the right courses and right time and all these like end up taking longer than they could have or should have in the first place or things like that. And that's when you start to get those headwinds where it's like, I deserve to be here. Should I be here? Like, you know, we got to try to avoid as many of those like hurdles and friction points as possible. Cause that's just going to really for, you know, like the learners that you serve that you kind of outlined, like it's just, you know, we got to put as much wind at their back as we can. We owe it to them for folks who, you know, being like first generation, all these other obligations and other things like higher ed has become a bit cumbersome and overly complex. So I guess just knowing knowing that side of the world a bit more than other stuff. But yeah, um, it, it, yeah. you're right. And it it's interesting that I'm using that word as a euphemism here. It's interesting that a lot of the systems and processes, at least seemingly, but I believe were built to test quote unquote grit. If you can make it through all this, then you can make it here. And it's like a Frank Sinatra in New York type situation. And that test needs to change because there are folks going back to my first generation point. There are people where it's, it's not lack of grit. It's that you literally don't know how to fill out FAFSA. <laughs> like it, it's, and that, that's not that you're not willing to take, you know, the, the pen or pencil and like fill the thing out. I'm going old school there. But it's more that there isn't someone sitting beside me that can help me to understand what this even means. Or what does it mean for me to put this information out and then hand it to you, right? I, a little personal story, 
I initially went to uh, NYU and I went on a, a, a full scholarship that turned out not to be real. And the reason that that happened was because my family didn't understand how this stuff works. It was one of those things where I look back now and I go, yeah, that was too good to be true. And it, like, it wasn't true. Uh, but I went to NYU, went for my first semester, everything was going great, went to go register for my second semester. And it said, you owe us $26,000, so you can't register. It's like, how does that happen? You know, and everything's all, all's good now, right? Life has turned out fine, but I literally just paid that off last week. That was decades ago. And it's in for what, you know, and it's, that's kind of, that's financial, but there are many non-financial hurdles that people also end up facing. And so the test of grit, we should rethink. Grit is important. So I'm not pushing back against grit, but the way that you test for grit and what you're really trying to test for, it's just putting hurdles in someone's way so that you can see if the only the, you know, the survival of the fittest, I don't think is the way that we want to run our education system. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I feel like there's at least now a subtle acknowledgement of like, maybe we should simplify the FAFSA or like, you know, like things like that. And I don't think they're necessarily in any rush to do that. And I'm like, part of me is just like, how hard is it? I don't know, like, stuff with the government gets, you know, to be clunky one way or another. But yeah, and I mean, and that's the idea that like, you know, that perseverance that, you know, grit, you know, it's almost been like, overemphasize like the idea is like that is an important skill set and everything or just sort of like um yeah with others sort of like the the soft skills or more we've really not settled on like a better name for it because i think everybody's like oh that's not a good name it's like i did hear durable skills the other day i was like oh that's pretty good i like that one because yeah it's like you know that is something that i think a lot of people acknowledge is like you know going through any sort of educational endeavor you know, fosters that critical thinking, comfort with ambiguity, and, you know, that perseverance and discipline and everything. So those are important things. And they're great byproducts of, you know, pursuing a bachelor's degree or whatever. But yeah, like, it's kind of just interesting where there's been so much emphasis on creating more access through like digital education and everything. But it's like, now, like, I, you just kind of keep hitting on, which is awesome, is like kind of reminding folks where it's like, you got to really acknowledge like the full context, context and sort of holistic state of like the students and learners that you're serving and adapt and mold to that, which like, I always say, like, your efforts there, are going to help better support all your students, because like, it's all just getting very gray in terms of like, well, you have like the very traditional students, and they kind of have this sort of, you know, experience and expectations, and then like adult learners and all that's like, it's just going to become like, doing things that just are going to be better convenient experiences for all of your students. And you're not like just doing it for your online students or adult learners or anything like that. So any, cause this is, again, we're just, we're gelling all the questions and I love it. But so I just want to make sure we hit on like, cause this is good sort of advice that you have for like, for institutions wanting to make greater partnerships with like industry and other organizations or just being more inclusive of these kind of learners. Is there anything else that you'd want to mention on this front before we uh, move on? Well, I think one, the first is the the reason behind your question is it's important to create partnerships. Institutions, focus is important for any organization and um, educational institutions should be great at the pedagogical and necessary support side of services. And so where I would say institutions should, should focus is around that, like ensure that especially the foundational learning that's provided is able to, the rising tide lifts all boats, you know, point that you were just making, like you're able to do that. And then there's a lot of other aspects of what creates the, the full support system and success of a student that you should partner for. And a, a portion of that 
And this is something that we help with a portion that is understanding, deeply understanding where the, the labor force is going, how that specifically applies to different industries. Within those industries, what is the talent that they think they're going to need next month, next quarter, next year, and in five years? And that can then help to shape, again, what you're focusing on is around like the pedagogical side of what is the learning and how is that learning being supported? But one institution can't go out and do all that. And so ensuring that you can keep your, your ears and eyes to the ground through partnerships is really important. There are also, there are support areas that a, an institution should provide and career services broadly is one of them, but there's a lot that goes into that as well. And so being able to partner with others to ensure that people are, are being able to have the, the latest and greatest when it comes to everything from storytelling and resume creation to interview prep to networking. There are a lot of great communities and networks, et cetera, out there. So partner for those with those two. So I, I think that partnership is critical. And the most important piece is understanding where the labor market's going and then being able to tie that back to the learning and how you support that learning. But there's a lot in between those two points. And so partnership is critical in that. Yeah, like you like you're saying, like important for I mean many reasons, but just even that like uh kind of following the trends and those sort of things, like where it's like an institution should be focusing on the pedagogical thing, you know, what programs are we teaching and what modality and uh, all that kind of stuff. And just being able to be clued in, you know, and kind of follow where the demand is going is definitely really, really super helpful. And I think it's even just that idea of like, it can happen on a local basis, it can happen on a national basis, like some, you know, institutions are just going to want, want to work on different scales and stuff. And yeah, just be able to kind of position themselves accordingly. But as we wind down here, I always like to ask this of, of guests, and I'll be curious, I guess, what you, what you have to say on this is that, you know, what do you see on the horizon for your work? Like, what has you excited or just like, what are trends that you're seeing? So I think just like, you know, taking like the optimistic sort of point of view and everything, just kind of looking towards the horizon, looking at the future and what has you excited? What gets me most excited is going back to the non-traditional student. When I describe the people that we serve, and I'll do it one more time just so it sticks in folks' ears, 55% of people identify as non-white. These are predominantly caregivers. They are first-generation students. They've tried to go to school before, generally, three or four times. They are lower income. That, as the future of our workforce and the people that today are predominantly saying, this country doesn't systemically want to provide me with a future, being able to have one is what I'm incredibly excited about. And what we are seeing are employers that want to invest in these individuals, invest in their education and growth and learning and development. They want to invest in their career paths and individuals that want to invest in themselves and educational institutions that want to figure out how to create the pedagogical and support systems to make it happen too. I'm so excited about that. Now, the work is hard. And so I might not be excited about an hour from now, like the literal work you know, that has to get done, but I'm excited about the broad macro work uh, that we're doing and being able to listen to the stories and talk to people that are experiencing this like day to day is powerful and seeing the mobility stories that people didn't think were possible a few years ago. There are people that didn't realize that the world even wanted them or trusted them to evolve in their careers are. That is so, so powerful. So I'm excited about the broad work around career mobility. Yeah. And I mean, and I think to your all's credit, you know, you and the team there, like you've really, I think, reshaped that conversation. You know, there's just sort of the point of view, because I feel like now any 
like higher ed event and stuff that I'm going to. It's like, you know, if it's broadly an education event, it's K through 12, it's higher ed and workforce development. Like, I think that is just this major paradigm shift that you are sort of adding a, a big voice, you know, to that chorus. And then, you know, I think that was like, you know, just our kind of generations, I think generally like, oh, we're going to college to get a job. But then like, there wasn't a lot of that sort of infrastructure or sort of scaffolding. And now there is just a much more kind of blanket acknowledgement that that's sort of like, you know, people want to better their lives, be more gainfully employed. And society just benefits when we have more educated people and stuff. And there's like, you know, we got to move all the levers that we can to try to achieve that goal to increase, you know, attainment of post-secondary credentials and everything. So yeah, I mean, it is really exciting to see. And it, it is such large systemic works that it's going to take so many people and so many organizations all working in their different sort of corners and working together and all that. So definitely exciting to see. But I feel like that was already like a pretty good like a final thought or call to action. But like, that's always our, our uh, question to wrap things up is like, you know, what do you want to leave people with? What do you want to sort of inspire people with uh, as they're uh, wrapping up the episode? The biggest thing that I'll leave folks with is the importance of learning. And I don't just mean that in taking a four-year degree or getting a master's degree, but I mean day-to-day. And a lot of learning has to do with listening. And I always, whenever I get the chance, ask people to listen. Listen to folks that come from different backgrounds, that have different experiences than you do, because that's the way that we can serve people. Going back to the point that we brought up around student success and let's first define student, is in the students of tomorrow are different than the students of the past. There's a greater number of people that are coming through in order to serve them better as an employer or as an educational institution. Listen. Ask what they want. Ask what they need. Ask what troubles they're facing. Ask what cultural capital they bring to the table, which may not have been valued before, but we're going to have to value in the future. And listen. And even to just kind of put a cherry on top of that, sometimes it's like, you know, people will tell you when you ask them often, but you could also listen to the sort of like people's behaviors, people's actions, you know, if it's like, wow, we just seem to be really struggling to like retain students or attract students or that sort of thing. And it's just like, oh, it's always when the conversation comes up about like, what time are the classes? What, you know, how do we do this, that, the other thing? Like, how do we support you? Because like, I've had a conversation where so many institutions, like their taglines are just these like vague things where it's like, start here, go anywhere. And it's like, fine, cool. But like trying to almost like lead more and i'm sure some institutions are doing this better than others like with an acknowledgement of like this is going to be a journey this is going to be like you know a hard effort on your part we're here for you like and here's how we do that here's how like and trying to like get rid of some of that noise and some of the fluff but really kind of a acknowledgement of like for those like the learners of today and the people that you describe that you support like you know i think that sort of uh pitch to them would go a really long way versus these just sort of like vague bland kind of catchphrases or taglines or what you know whatever um so trying to lead with like knowing the things that are on their plate the obligations they have the concerns that they would have and not just saying like we're here for you like really kind of showing your work to say like these are the investments that we're making as a higher institution to be supportive of you and we see you and showing that to your point it's not even saying it but showing that we see you it's very important. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that is an amazing point to end on. Thank you so much for hanging out and sharing all that you did and for the awesome work you and your team uh, does there at Guild. It's a, a treat for me to have somebody on to talk to talk about it on the podcast here and we'll have ways to uh, check out Guild and uh, connect with you uh, in the show notes. So um, yeah, just thank you so much. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.